everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes Super Bowl podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today we're in part two of a brand new series called Summer School. It's school, it's summer. I think you can figure out why we named it Summer School, because it's the middle of the summer. I want you to learn something about your goals that'll be helpful and fun. And I get a ton of emails and messages all the time asking for help in four different types of goals, big kind of bucket goals, if you will. The first one is side hustles. So how do I have a side hustle? How do I be an entrepreneur? How do I earn some money um, on the side of my day job? How do I sell my product online, et cetera? Second one, health. Hey, how do I get in shape? How do I stay in shape? How do I be deliberate about what type of exercise I do? Third group, writing. I write books. So people ask me questions about how do you write a book? How do you write a blog? How do you write a speech? And the fourth one is speaking. I'm a public speaker. So I get a lot of questions about what does it take to deliver a speech? How do you structure a speech? How do you build a speaking career, etc.? So in this series, we're going to cover each of those big four goals, those big four topics. Last week, we addressed how you can charge more for your side hustle. If you've got a side hustle or are thinking about doing some freelance or being an entrepreneur, make sure you check out that episode. Or if you have a friend um, that has a side hustle, I guarantee that friend is not charging enough. And that would be so kind to be like, hey, here's a lesson. Here's a podcast you should listen to. Like you can be real subtle about it, but it's still going to help them a lot because they're going to be able to figure out how to quickly charge more for the work they're doing. That was last week. This week, we're going to talk about the five ways to get healthy. Um, Five ideas I have about getting healthy. Um, And the reason I want to talk about that is I get asked all the time, John, wow, you are so tall and so fit. How do you, how do you do it? I'm just kidding. No one, no one ever asks me that. Um, I'm not super tall. I joke about that all the time. I told my wife, Jenny, that if I was tall, like if I had been taller, we probably wouldn't have gotten married. And she was like, wow, that's a really insulting thing to say to me. And I was like, no, 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 no. You misinterpreted it. I'm saying if I was tall, I wouldn't have had to develop this winsome personality. Like I wouldn't have had to develop this sense of humor, if you will. I could have skated or coasted by on my height, like all these tallies out here. Um, But instead... I had to really, really lean into humor, really lean into personality and ideas and books. Um, So I'm I'm not that tall. And sometimes I forget that people don't know that I'm joking. Um, I did a video series once for a client. It was like a four-part video series. And they showed it to a focus group. And I had joked about being tall in the videos. And I forgot that sometimes if you don't joke hard enough, people don't know you're joking. And so there was actual feedback in the focus group that was like, that guy was so arrogant about his height. Like he was just super cocky about being so tall. And that really made me laugh because some focus group moderator had to give me that feedback. And I was like, oh, that, that is 100% my bad. No, what really happens is that people see that I'm a goal nerd as well as a running nerd. And they ask how they can start on their own journey to getting healthy. So I'm going to share today five simple steps to get you started. But first, a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Are you struggling to finish your goals? You're not alone. According to research studies, 92% of people who set New Year's resolutions don't complete them. People have write books, they leave business ideas in the first draft stage, they don't learn the new skill, they don't run the race, they don't change careers, and those post-December pounds stay firmly in place. But there's a second group, the 8%. They're the ones getting calls from publishers about their next book, 
They're the ones with calendars so full they have to turn down high paying offers. They're the ones that are crushing every exercise goal they have. They're the finishers. What if you could have a step-by-step guide to get your biggest dream across the finish line? That's exactly what you'll find in my finish video course. No matter what goal you have in this course, you'll learn how to master your motivation, keep the promises you make to yourself, and most importantly, how to actually finish your goals. And I promise you'll have a ton of fun along the way. Check out the course today at finishcourse.com. Thousands of people just like you have used it to write books, get in shape, pay off debt, declutter their houses, find new jobs, complete degrees, and just about any other goal you can imagine. That's finishcourse.com. All right, let's jump into the episode and talk about five ways to get healthy. I love a list. This is a list. There's five ideas in it. So here we go. Number one, step one. What is your definition of healthy? Healthy is a funny word, isn't it? I mean, so is the phrase in shape. So is living well. Why are they so funny? Because they tend to be inherited, not created. Let me say that again because it feels like a tweet. They tend to be inherited, not created. When it comes to how we feel about ourselves, we don't come to the conversation with a completely blank slate. Like whether you're 25 or 35 or 55 or 65 or 75 or 105, I'm going to keep saying higher and higher numbers because somebody once said that I use 65 as a range in a book. I was like, whether you're 25 or 65, and she said that was discriminating against old people. Um, And so now like, I'm always going to be like, whether you're 25 or 2005, because the chances are that somebody's not going to live to be 2005. But regardless of your age, you come to the discussion with some baggage. We all do. You come to this topic with words other people said. You approach it with the expectation of others and the demands and the definitions. Maybe a gym teacher told you that you were fat or an ex-husband criticized some part of you or a parent told you that you were the intellectual kid, not the athlete. Like maybe in your family, there was like your brother, your sister was super gifted athletically, like hand to eye, amazing. Like they were great at every sport and you weren't great at those sports. Like you might've been fine in a family that didn't have a superstar, but you grew up in the shadow of a superstar. So your parents were kind of like, yeah, you're good at brain stuff. Like you're a brainiac and they labeled you that. And so maybe you believe that. And those words might be years or even decades old, but you'd be amazed how long we carry stuff like that. So right out of the gate, I think the first thing you should do is be curious about whose definition of health you're living by. Is it your own or is it someone else's? Chances are it's someone else's. Maybe it's pop culture. The studies on what magazines and social media do to your perception of yourself are terrifying. Like we don't have a hundred years of research yet um, because we're kind of the first generation that's growing up in it. People sometimes forget that like social media is a toddler. Like we're all still learning. It's not 50 years old. So who knows? Maybe in a hundred years from now, um, the, all the research will say social media was was good for us and it was great for ourselves. I can't even say that with a straight face. Like clearly it's not going to be good. But maybe you've got pop culture's definition and you feel inadequate that way. So just check yourself for a minute. Is the health goal you have your own or did you inherit it? Was it handed down from someone else that had their own broken definition? It's a lot easier to live your life when you're not living up to someone else's definition. I promise. So the first thing I want you to do, tip number one, step number one, I want you to spend a minute or two and answer that question. What's my definition of healthy? Step number two, stack the odds. 
I've spent a ton of years learning about what it takes to really make goals stick. Um, I love goals. I write about goals. This podcast is about goals. And the most helpful thing I did was partner with a researcher named Mike Peasley. He's a PhD here um, outside of Nashville. And we studied what makes people successful at the goals they care about and what makes people fail. And one of the things we discovered is the concept of stacking the odds. When you stack the odds, you do things ahead of time to make actually sticking to a diet or an exercise plan a whole lot easier. You essentially predetermine what will be difficult and then find ways to make it easier. It might sound complicated, but it's actually really, really simple to do. For example, let's say you were going to get up early and go to the gym. Maybe you hate getting up early. It's your least favorite thing to do. And every morning you struggle with it. So in order to stack the odds, you put out your clothes the night before. Because you know that if you have to struggle to find a pair of shorts in the dark at 5.30 a.m., you'll quit. You'll think, ah, screw it. This is dumb anyway. You would be amazed how many times I've given up on a morning goal because I couldn't find like a shirt or a shoe. And I was like, you know what? That was all. My breaking point was one sneaker. That was, it broke the whole goal. I was like, you know what? I can't find the sneaker. This is a sign that I shouldn't do this goal. Um, And so you quit. And you, and you give up. You'll give up on the entire activity over something as small as a pair of socks. Stacking the odds means making the morning as easy as possible for yourself. A way that I do that, and this is completely ridiculous, but this is something I do. In the morning, if I'm not going to work out in the morning because sometimes that's my best writing time and I need to get up and I need to really focus on a book, but I want to r- work out later that afternoon – I will put on the workout socks. Like I like Swiftwick socks. They're not a sponsor or anything. They could be sliding them DMs, but I'll put on the workout socks with whatever I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing like jeans and a black t-shirt, cause that's really all I wear when I'm at home, when I'm on the road, when I'm traveling, I'm in a suit. So I have two, I have essentially two looks. I have black t-shirt and then suit. There's no in between. They're the ends of the spectrum, but that's what I wear. So when I get dressed that day, I'll put on the workout socks because just having them on is like this little reminder all day of like, hey, remember you're gonna, you said you'd run or hey, remember you said you'd do CrossFit or hey, remember you said you'd you'd go work out, you'd do a zone two, you know, slow walk around the neighborhood, try to get your heart rate right. Like remember the socks are a reminder. And then at the end of the day, it's one less thing for me to do. Like you would be amazed how frustrated I get. I'm like, oh, I got to change socks to work out today. It's such a hassle. It's like 4 p.m. I'm kind of exhausted from the day. And having the socks on already is like, oh, okay. Hey, they're already here. Look, the socks are on. Again, very small, but it helps me. Now let's take that to food. Because like when you talk about health, you talk about exercise, you talk about food in general. With food, it means not having soda in the house if that's what you're struggling with. Your odds of drinking a massive two liter go up a bajillion percent if you actually have one in your house. If you don't, it's going to be a lot harder for you to drink one. So stack the odds. Don't buy any soda. That means you've put this great barrier between you and the thing you don't want to do. Because now if you want to have some soda, you go, I got to drive to the store. I got to find my keys. I have to get out. I have to do, oh, it's such a hassle. So today, ask yourself that question. How could I stack the odds in my favor? Now, you'll know you found a good way to do that when it feels like cheating. We get so noble when it comes to our goals that we act like we can't ever take the easy way out. That is so stupid. Go easier on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Stack the odds in your favor and then watch how much more you actually accomplish your health goal. Step number three, invest in your sneakers because sneakers are cheaper than knees. 
a few weeks ago, my wife, Jenny, told me that exact sentence. So she said, essentially, hey, I think you should buy some new running shoes. And I was like, what? These are great. I've barely put 400 miles on them. I said, like, looking down at my tired shoes. And Jenny was like, well, they, they have a huge gash down the side. And they're, they're not car tires. They're not designed to go thousands of miles. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I feel like I could still get some miles out of these, I responded. And she said, maybe, but remember, sneakers are cheaper than these. And that's, that's become one of my favorite phrases. Sneakers are cheaper than knees. It's true. Replacing your sneakers is a lot easier than replacing your knees. It involves a lot less needles too. Um, I've never had a, like a needle interaction at a sneaker store or like a shoe store. Like it's so much easier than getting surgery. Now I don't overspend on shoes. I'm, I'm surprisingly thrifty when it comes to the sneakers I run in. Um, but that's changing. The older I get, the more I realize I have to make smart decisions when it comes to my health. Listening to my knees, buying shoes that have the right cushion and changing them more than I might like to is smart. So how do you buy sneakers that fit you well? Well, go to a, go to a local running store. Go to, a, go to a store that specializes in the type of exercise you're going to do, something like Fleet Feet. They measure your foot. They give you options, perfect for your gait. They watch you walk and run in them. That made a big difference to me. Now, if you go through all the trouble with them, don't walk out the store and then order on Zappos. Like that's a whack thing to do to someone who's trying to make a living as a running shoe salesperson. And this is not an affiliate message or an ad for Fleet Feet. I'm not sponsored by them um, by, by any means. It's just a shoe store that I like to use. And I'm not saying you have to buy every pair that way. But if you've never done it, I highly recommend it regardless of the exercise you're doing. You can usually find someone in your sport who is smart about footwear. The running store guy or one running store girl might not be able to answer your CrossFit sneaker question, but he probably knows someone who can. Invest in sneakers. Sneakers are cheaper than these. Step four, don't run. What? In the, in the last point, I talked all about running and investing in good shoes. I, I did. I did. But here's what I need you to know. Let's go the complete opposite direction. If you don't like running, don't run. What is it about that activity that makes people think they have to do it? When did we decide that if you were going to get in shape, you absolutely had to run? Why did we all agree on that particular sport above all the others? If you hate running, don't do it. Never run a mile. Avoid the treadmill. When friends ask you to go for a jog, laugh in their faces and say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Does that mean you won't do cardio? Of course not. But there are a million ways to do cardio. People in my town love cycling. We, we might be the guys in tight shorts capital of Tennessee. Um, where I live outside of Nashville, there's beautiful farm country. People come from all over the place to ride their bikes here. And there's a lot of former runners who are liberated from the tyranny of the track. They jumped on a bike and they've never looked back. Good for them. I'm not a big biker. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of any sport that involves occasionally getting hit by a car. Um, it's weird. Like bike riders will get hit by cars and then talk about it. Like they got a flat tire. Like it's not even that dramatic to them where I'm like, you got hit by a whole car. My friend Randy got hit by three cars, not at the same time. That would be terrible. Three different times until eventually his parents gave him a mountain bike as like an intervention. Like the third time somebody was blocking the bike lane and he had to go around them and he ran into the back of them inside the back of this like blazer and his bike was still attached and he was at the hospital and the cops came and gave him a ticket. Like they gave him a ticket for hitting the car. And he was like, 
this can't be, this can't be real life. I'm not a huge cyclist. You are awesome. I like to run. You like to cycle. Find the thing you want to do. I do like to run. It's taken me years to admit that, but it's true. If you don't, awesome. Good for you. Find something you do enjoy and go do that. It's so funny how often we think uh, exercise has to be miserable to count. I meet people that'll say, hey, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start being healthy. I'll go, oh, that's great. What are you going to do? And they'll go, I'm going to run. And I go, oh, do you like running? They go, no, I hate it. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. That's how I know it's good for me. Find something you love doing. If you love ballroom dancing, like go for that. If you love long walks in the woods with a friend, go for that. If you want to play pickleball, like go do that. Exercises you hate never, ever last. And step five, create a challenge. A few years ago, I created a health challenge for myself. The challenge was simple. I decided to see if I could run four miles a day for 30 days in a row. If I did, I'd have 120 miles down in a month, which would be a record for me. Why do I do challenges like small little personal challenges? Well, there, there's three reasons. Number one, a challenge gives you focus. Getting in shape or living healthier is a terrible goal because what, is, what does that even mean? It's so loose. You'll never know if you hit it. In order to accomplish something, you need a real target. That's what a challenge does for you. It gives you something specific to focus on. The second reason I like challenges is a challenge motivates you. I'd love to pretend that every day I wake up excited to exercise. Like I just jump out of bed. I'm like, today's a day. Just want to get out there, get the mitochondria going. That's real specific. But I don't wake up that way. Some days I don't want to do it. Some days I am bored of it or I'm just too tired. But a challenge inspires me, especially since I tend to create charts and checklists that I can cross off. Having a challenge gives me a nudge to compete, even on the days when I don't feel like it, which are a lot. Number three, a challenge is fun. Is it goofy that I really enjoy checking a box on a piece of paper that I'm using to measure my running? Maybe, but it's, it's fun for me. We're not at work right now. No one is making you try challenges, especially health challenges. You get to design it any way you want. Make sure that when you do, you have some fun with it. My challenges don't always work. I'd be lying if I said they are perfect. They're, they're not, but I can tell you something that is 100% accurate. I always do better when I use a challenge. Every single time I've done one, it's helped me accomplish more. So let's help you create a challenge. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Number one, pick something small that you want to accomplish. For this challenge, you're not going to start with a massive goal like lose 100 pounds, remove all sugar from our diet. I'm not even going to make eye contact with sugar. Like that's how extreme I'm going. That's too big for right out of the gate. You're going to ease into this challenge with something that you can realistically accomplish in a month. My initial goal was to run five miles a day. Like when I started the plan, I was like, I'm doing five miles a day, 150 miles a month. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too, too big, too big. So I, I shrunk it down a little bit. I started with four. I was okay with making it a little smaller because I would end up with 120 miles at the end of the month versus trying five and doing it three days in a row and getting exhausted and giving up. So pick something small. Second step, pick just one thing, one thing. It should be small and singular. When I decided to run 120 miles in a month, I didn't also decide to do each mile in a specific average time. Why? Because that's, that's two goals. I don't need two goals for my challenge. One is plenty. Make sure you don't overwhelm yourself by picking a handful of things. Just choose one. Step three, here's that word again, make it fun. I like running. If you don't, don't, don't pick that one. If you don't enjoy it, what's the point of trying to do it? Remember, you're the boss of this challenge. Make sure that whatever you pick is fun to you. Number four, chart your progress. 
Half the point of a challenge is to track the work you're doing. Without a simple chart or a checklist, you won't know if what you're doing is actually working. I don't care what your method is, but make sure you get some data behind what you're doing. Some people love to track what they do on apps like Strava um, or a Garmin app. So you can track it a million different ways. Just make sure you chart your progress. Step number five, be flexible. I don't have a specific time every day that I write. Why? Because life isn't regulated like that. Some days it's first thing in the morning. Some days it's 9 a.m. Some days it's 10 a.m. If you create a rigid system, you'll give it up eventually. Aim for flexibility. Step six, pick the days it'll be hard. If you're going to try something for 30 days in a row, some days will be easier than others. Take out your calendar and review the next month. You might not know exactly what will happen, but chances are you can kind of already identify some difficult days headed your way. For instance, one morning I got up and ran at 4 a.m. in Las Vegas before a flight. The only way that happened was that I reviewed the week before and I knew it was the only way for me to get the run in. Also, 4 a.m. in Vegas, I, they're two hours behind me. So it's 6 a.m. to my body. And so it wasn't that crazy early. Like 4 a.m. sounds like I'm insane and I wake up at 2 a.m. like Mark Wahlberg. Like, I'm really not, I promise you. I just knew because I looked ahead of it, I could talk myself into it. That's the, that's the big thing too. You look far enough ahead and you see some challenges, you can usually talk yourself into actually do them. I need to kind of amp myself up to be like, okay, dude, we're going to try to run. Like you got to do a run in Vegas. Make sure you bring your shoes. Like it's going to be early. You can do it. Like, let's find the, let's find where we're going to run. Like we're not going to run outside because Vegas is 10,000 degrees. We're going to have to figure out what floor the, the gym is on when you're going to ask the front desk and it's going to make you feel like that scene from um, Tommy Boy where Chris Farley asked somebody like, hey, where's the weight room? Like I thought of that ahead of time and I saw that difficult day and I was able to work through the difficult day. And the last one, number seven, accept imperfection. It won't be perfect. I wish it, I wish it was. I really do because it would be easier, I suppose. But that's not how things go. You're going to fail some, maybe, maybe a lot. Remember though, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is to do a little bit better this month with your health than you did last month. And then you repeat that next month and you just keep working through the year that way. I'm a nerd for challenges. I wasn't always, but when I started doing them, I fell in love with them. How do you think I'm writing more than I've ever written before? Like I'm writing more books than I've ever written before. Challenges. I'm writing because I've created a few challenges. They're simple, they're small, but I promise you they're powerful and you can create your own today. So next week, we're going to jump into the third session of summer school, which is all about the five steps I used to write a book. I've written eight books. I've got one coming out this fall. Um, I've got one that's due in August that I'm in the middle of right now. And I'm going to share with you what I've learned about the writing process. So if you've ever been curious about writing a book, writing something that means something to you, nonfiction, fiction, I think you're going to get a ton out of that episode. But thank you for listening to today's episode. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. It's always so fun to see the reviews. So everybody who's taken 60 seconds, 90 seconds, I don't know how long it takes you to write a review. Maybe you're very fast and you've got some thoughts already. Maybe you like to sit back and go, okay, here's what I, here's what I like about this. But for everyone who's taking the time to do that, thank you. Um, please keep those coming. Make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days and please write a review. Last but not least, if you want some help with any goal you're working on, check out my finished course at www.finishcourse.com. That's finishcourse.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.